not on? It is on? Hey, all right. I thought I turned it on. Maybe it's on mute before. Okay. Thank you. All right. We need help tonight. There's no fellowship tonight after church, but we need some help setting up tables in the fellowship area for the ladies' wreath-making potluck. And that is from 5 to 8 on Wednesday. So we definitely need some help getting some tables down there after church, tables and chairs set up so that the ladies can have fellowship. I thought, what about the guys? That's all right. Praise God. We'll get our time with Thanksgiving. Amen. <laughs> we get to eat. All right. That's fun. Okay. Numbers chapter 13, verses 27 through 33. Thank you for your prayers. Pastor and Sister Devonshire. Uh, over there ministering over in Berkeley. So preaching tonight there, we pray that God move on their behalf and move in that service. Amen. Because I would want God to move in the service where I am. And so we pray that God move where they are. Amen. Numbers chapter 13, starting in verse 27. And they told him and said, we came unto the land, whither thou sent us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. So I want to give you a little bit of background. That the, there were 10 spies that went into a place called the Promised Land. They were from the, the Hebrew tribe. You know, they weren't uh, 007 spies or anything like that. But they sent them out. They sent these 12 men from the, from the, the Hebrew people. They had just left Egypt. Sent them over there into this place called the Promised Land. They went over there looking around to see what was going to be there. And they brought back these grapes, these big clusters of grapes. Some had said, the commentators had said they were anywhere from 10 to 12 pounds. Wouldn't that be awesome if you went to Walmart and they were only like 50 cents a pound, right? <laughs> I said, these are some good grapes, all right. So this is the, they said, this is the fruit. They brought them back, you know, on these, on these large branches. Verse 28, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb Caleb was a faithful Hebrew, faithful Hebrew. Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it. He said, no, we're not going to take this evil report. We can go forward into the promised land. We got this. He said, we are well able to overcome it. But the men, the other men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land which the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come into which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in their sight. Numbers chapter 14, verse 9. This is Caleb again, still trying to get the people fired up. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defenses departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. I want to preach on the type of message, can God, question mark? God can. 
exclamation mark. All right. Praise God. Reverend Tuick, sir, would you please pray for the message? Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Can God? Question mark. God can. Exclamation mark. When we see this in the Word of God, Numbers chapter 13 and 14, a familiar part of Scripture for many that are Bible readers. If you're not a Bible reader, you need to become a Bible reader. This is where we get our faith. This is where we get our instructions from the Word of God. This is where we learn how to fight against the devil. And so in Numbers chapter 13, verse 14, Numbers chapter 13 and all the way through verse 14, we see an example of unbelief versus belief. We see examples of those that, that looked at the giants and they put a capital G on them. But we saw two other men, especially one man named Caleb, that he put a lowercase g on there. What did that mean? That the giants, they were no more bigger than the great big God that they were supposed to be serving. You take God and you put a capital G on God. And you make sure you go forth in victory, knowing that God is there with you. He's Almighty God. So we'd already gave you a little bit of background. These 12 spies, they were supposed to go out into this promised land. Now, God had promised them that this place was for them. I'm going to take this out because it's bothering me now. This place was for them, that he had left this place for them. He had set it all aside. However, there were problems called giants. These Canaanites, tall, muscular men, not like the smaller Egyptians that they had been seeing for all of this time, that they were Hebrew slaves. And so the spies, they went out and they were comparing themselves with the Canaanites instead of comparing those Canaanites to the great big God that they already knew who could do great things for them. The God who tore down Egypt, that superpower of the world. They were supposed to be looking at that God when they went forward. So what is the lesson for us here? Don't look at God through the circumstances. Look at the circumstances through the eyes of God. Look and see what God can do for you. You think it's too bad? You think you're too far gone? We got a God who can save. We got a God who can sustain. And we got a God who can fill with the Holy Ghost. Can God save? God can. Can God keep you? God can. Can God fill you with the Spirit? God can. Mice, don't play by men's rules. How do I know that? Let one in your house and see. <laughs> Mice don't play by men's rules. What are men's rules? Mice appears, mice appear in the house. Man gets upset. <laughs> this is, I'm telling you a story because you got, a, a, you got cold. And what happens when it gets cold? Mice try to get in your house, don't they? And so we got one. I said, oh, great. I got upset. We're very clean people. My wife does an excellent job. But, hey, we all go through it. All right. I was reading a story about uh, 
somebody that was writing something back in the 1600s that they had a mouse in their house. I said, good night. Mice have been getting in people's houses for a long time. So it's not just me. But these are the rules. Mouse appears in the house. Man goes to buy traps. Man comes back with traps. Sets trap. Man wants trap to go off right when he turns around because mouse got in it. <laughs> that is not what happened, all right? So mice don't play by men's rules. The mice, what do they do? They don't wait till it gets dark. The mice come out while you're sitting there at the table. They come out and they look at you. They come and taunt you and say, here I am, come and get me. <laughs> they come out, show their face, walk, and don't run. And so the mice are saying, I'm not afraid of you, even though you're bigger than me. I came here to spy out your kitchen and to see what you have to eat. The same attitude that these Hebrews should have had when they went into the promised land. The mouse has nothing backing it up. It has nothing over it. It has no power. But yet these Israelites, they went out there and they should have had power. They should have went out there with the thought, hey, I don't care how big these guys are that are walking around. I've got a guy who's bigger than them. I've got a guy who can take them down just like he took down Egypt, just like he took down those walls. We've got a guy who can take down anything in your life that comes against you. What are you staring at right now? What's staring you in the face? What problem have you given a capital P that should have a lowercase p? We can take all problems before our God who can deliver. We serve a God who can deliver. So God was told by Moses, send the spies out into Canaan. But when we read it here, we do a little bit more homework. We find out that that really wasn't necessary. They came to Moses. The people came to Moses, and they said, we want spies to go out there. God had told them before, go into the promised land. Go and possess. That was God's command. And God gives us commands. He tells us to go. But we come back with hesitation. We come back with some other idea besides what God had said. It was funny this morning when, when Pastor had asked, how many, I think it was he said something along the lines of, how many know what God wants them to do and they're going to go do it? People raising their hand. I was in the back. I raised my hand also. He said, good, I'm going to take a picture and see if you go do it. <laughs> And it's the same thing today. God has already told us he doesn't need to take a picture. He already knows what he told us to do. He already knows that he told us to go and to get right with him. He already knows and he told us which websites to stop going to. He told us how much we should be given. He told us how we need to come to church, how we need to get into the word of God. He told us to come up on a higher level already. And we need to say, yes, God. Yes, I know that I need to. I know that I have to, God. Help me to do those 
those things, the attitude that we set it in when we first felt the conviction, we have to maintain that attitude when it comes time to perform. That's what it means to make a commitment. You say, well, I don't feel the same way as, as I did when I, when I first said that I was going to give my all to you, Lord. But we've got to keep on going. We've got to go. God said go. Go forward into the promised land. But the people came back and said, well, I don't know, Moses. Maybe you can send some people out there. Send out an entourage out there to go so they can go see and tell us what there is. They already knew, though. It was a land of milk and honey. We should already know that it's better to serve God than what we've been doing before. We should already know that it's a great life of serving God and giving God our heart and giving God our all. Not sitting back on the sidelines and seeing everything else happen. But we should already know, boy, serving God is much better than what I was doing before. It's much better than chasing this thing and chasing around some high. It's much better just to come and get my spiritual high when I come into the house of God, when I come and lift up my hands, when I come and praise God. It's better than going to the club. It's better than coming back and laying up with somebody that I don't know who they are and how did I get here. It's better than all of those things that the world has to offer. It is the milk and honey that God has offered us. So God said, go. But just because they came to Moses and asked, Moses decided, okay, we'll have one from each tribe to go. We're going to have one that will be the leader. And so they picked out one that would be a leader. His name was Oshea. Oshea. I didn't ask for the verse there, but it's Numbers chapter 13, verse 6. And Moses called Oshea the son of Nun. Now this is Oshea, Hoshea. This is Joshua. This is Joshua. That being in the Hebrew, this is Joshua. Joshua was chosen as the leader of the group. It was Oshea, but Moses added the a Yah to that. Oshea means salvation, but he added a Yah. So now it's Joshua. Yahshua. What does that mean? Jesus saves. The Lord saves. Yahweh saves. We need a leader that will save. We need somebody to go out before us who's going to be the captain for us. Somebody who's going to lead us into victory. And that one that leads us into victory is Jesus Christ. We can't live our lives without him. You can't do anything right until the Lord comes into your life. Some say we can't have church till the choir comes. We can't live right until we hear the right song. But what does it really say? We can't live right until the Holy Ghost comes. Lord, let the Holy Ghost come on down. We can't live right. We can't talk right. We can't walk right until the Holy Ghost comes into our life. You got to get up here. You got to seek after God. You've got to seek after the Holy Ghost. You should be seeking every service, every moment that you get. Say, God, fill me with the Holy Ghost. 
And so they sent out these spies. They went out and they came back with a report. We have to think about this here. So can God save? Yes, God can save. Yes, God provided somebody that could save. Yes, God provided somebody that will fight for you. Yes, God provided somebody that will come back with a good report and come back with faith and tell us what exactly it is that is out there before us. Jesus did all of that. He told us what it was that we had to do. He said, follow me. Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Can God do something great in your life? Can God keep you? Yes, God can. Can God provide for you? Yes, God can. Can God bring you all the way to victory? Can God see you through all the way to heaven? Yes, God can. Don't be a doubter like everybody else. There are a lot of people walking around doubting God. Can God keep me? Can God help me? Yes, God can. In Psalm chapter 78, you read a long history about the people of Israel. You read a long history about their failures, about what it was that God had originally did for them. And it's starting out with, with, with the various things that God had done. It starts out with Abraham and the blessings that God had put upon the, the people of Israel just ble- based on Abraham and his faith and, and what God wanted to do and how God tested Abraham. Abraham showed that faith. And then the blessings started to flow. They were no, they were no people at all just starting out with Abraham, just he and his wife. And then they became a multitude of people. That's proof of Alone that God keeps his promises. But we'll read about them out in the wilderness. Just past this point here that we are in our Bible reading here. And they asked the question, can God provide a table in the wilderness? There were some that were doubting if God could do something for them. Remember, they were Hebrew slaves. They were with the Egyptians. They were being beaten. They had to make the the bricks out of straw. But there they were. They had the leeks and the onions, and God had pulled them out of there. And there they were, out there in the wilderness. And they asked, can God, the doubters of the people, can God provide a table in the wilderness? Can God really see you through? Can God really help you to stay pure in your heart? Can God really take you all the way to heaven? Can God really take the cursing out of your mouth? Yes, God can. Can God give you faith to believe on Christ? Yes, God can. Can God turn your life around and change your very desires? Yes, God can. How do we know? Because God's done it for me. God can do it for you. God can change your life. I was 16 when I got saved. God can change your life. I didn't grow up going to church. I didn't know anything about God. But God can change your life. God can reach into your heart. He can reach into the very household that's not even serving God. He can pull you out of that environment. He can get you to get right with God. He can change you right now, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through. God can change you. Can God put your marriage back together? Yes. 
Yes, God can. Can God get your children and bring them back to God? Yes, God can. Can God turn your life around, even change your family tree? Yes, God can. We've got to believe in him. And this is the thing about God that makes it so awesome. We can go to his word and we can find out that we've got powerful tools to change our lives. And we can have these affirmations in our heart. The pastor, pastor was telling me that he's starting to read a book, The Power of Positive Thinking. The Power of Positive Thinking. You might want to pick it up. I don't know, you can get it on Amazon, on Kindle for a couple of dollars. But it will really help you in your endeavor because... What's happening out there now, the political environment? What are they doing? They're trying to scare us, aren't they? Oh, if this party gets this, it's going to be horrible. If this party gets in power, it's going to be horrible. Who's up on the throne right now? Amen. Jesus is on the throne. It doesn't matter if it's red or blue or somewhere in between. Down here on earth in the United States, Jesus is still on the throne. It does not matter. My God can take care of me. If I go to the store and there's no toilet paper, God will provide it somehow, some way. Amen? Yeah. So we have positive thinking. We can meditate on God's Word. We can change our mindset from what it is. If it's negative right now, you can change your mindset. You can choose to believe God. You can choose to believe God's word. That if I am going to be like those who doubted God, can God provide? Can God do this? The majority does not believe. The majority does not believe. The majority of your friends do not believe. The majority, I remember reading something the 18, between the ages of 18 and 35, 60% of them say that there is no God. The majority does not believe. Well, that means that 40% still believe God, amen? <laughs> they didn't tell that part of the story. And so when we go out and we go out soul winning, we go out, there's still people out there that believe God. There's still people out there that are looking for God. There's still people out there that want God. There are still people that will come to this church and get right with God. And guess what? Maybe they can influence their family members that say there is no God. Maybe what will happen is that God will change their lives and they'll be different than they ever were. They won't be as angry as they used to be before they got saved. They won't be as unbelieving and as negative. And God will turn everything around. And that unbelieving part, part person in that house, they'll look at that and they'll say, well, there must be something to this Christianity thing. Maybe I need to go get right with God. Maybe I need to go and find out what the light is that everybody else has got. I need something from God. If there's a light on of people that believe, they'll come running to it. If there's a light on and there's a fire in your life that somebody sees that you believe God, maybe it'll challenge them to believe God for themselves. We ought to come lifting up hands in expectation of, of God doing something in our lives. We have no intention 
of staying at this size of a congregation. We need more people to come and experience God for themselves. We want to see more people say, can God fill this chapel up again? Yes, God can. Can God fill this altar with people that love him? Yes, God can. Can God reach out into St. Louis, pull people off of fentanyl, pull people off of drugs? Yes, God can. If we believe in God and we go out in victory and believe that God can and go reach the people. Yes, God can. God can. Stop asking the question, can God do it? Yes, God can. Start saying, yes, God can. God is with me. God is for me. I am who God says I am. I'm a victorious Christian. I have nothing that can overcome me, but I overcome everything else. Be like that mouse. Stare down the great big giant that you see. Amen? Mice aren't afraid of you. (laughs) They're probably more afraid of the trap. I still haven't caught this thing. We got seven traps in the kitchen. I still haven't caught this thing. When we were out in Indiana, we had a mouse get in the house over there. I mean, we set all kinds of traps. I had the glue we had the snap trap. We had the thing that they get in, supposed to spin them and, and knock them out and all this other stuff. And we were wondering, is this thing like related to Indiana Jones? Because he must be grabbing some, some spaghetti or something and, and flying up over the glue trap. We can't even catch this thing. I think he just got tired and he left because of, of us trying to get him. <laughs> Can God fill with the Holy Ghost? That's the last point. You could come on. Can God fill with the Holy Ghost? The devil will tell you no. God can't fill you with the Holy Ghost. God doesn't want to fill you with the Holy Ghost. You can't get the Holy Ghost. I went through all of that. God can fill with the Holy Ghost. Not only can God, God does fill with the Holy Ghost. God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. God is waiting on you to come up and open up those arms and open up that mouth and receive the Holy Ghost for yourself. God can fill with the Holy Ghost. He still does. And until Jesus comes back, God is still going to fill with the Holy Ghost. God is still going to do it. There was a man named Caleb, the Bible says, he had a different spirit than everybody else. He had something going on in him that wasn't like anybody else's spirit, but he had a spirit to believe. He said, we can go out there. Those guys are just bread for us. If you're hungry, get your butter, get your knife, and let's go eat them up. Their defense is gone. There's nothing that they can do against the child of God. It's the same way for those that have the spirit of God. There are those that need to come and experience the Holy Spirit for themselves. Stop this land and come on out. Stop making excuses. Stop asking God, can you? And say, God, you can. God, you can fill me with the Spirit. God, you can do it in my life. God, I am ready to receive from you. And so we don't need anybody else to go out there and to go see it all. We've got what we need right here in the Word of God. We've got right here what we need of those that have already experienced it. They've already gone and they've already told you how good it is. You just need to go out and possess. You need to go out and take it. You need to go and get it for yourself. 
You can get ready to start playing whatever you're going to play. Reverend Tua can come. He's going to lead the altar call. And he's going to try to get you to believe. And stop asking, can God? Just answer the question, God can. God can do it in your life. God wants to do it in your life. Come down here and get filled with the Holy Ghost. Come down here and get saved. Come down here and give your heart to Jesus. Let God do it in your life. Don't ask, can God? Just say, God, you can. You can. Reverend Sir, come on. Give it to Jesus tonight. Amen. Amen. The altar's open tonight. You can. You can. We can do all things through Christ tonight. What do you have need of tonight? Do you have need of salvation? The altar is open. If all the Christians will come and find a place to pray.